Glass Edge Radio. Events broadcast in three. listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you worldwide from Megaware Keelguard Studios. Aaron, here we are, August 1 episode of Bass Edge Radio, buddy. We are in the dog days, enjoying the blazing heat. Had a touch of fall, I think, actually, a week or two ago. It was uh, it was all of a sudden cool, and I believe now we are frying again, and we'll do so for many more weeks to come. But you would think that the bass were frying in the water with 90-degree water temps, but they're actually still swimming around, and a few of them are biting out there. That's right. And I know you have your eyes set on a pretty important venue that's coming around that we will talk a little bit later. Coming off the heels of ICAST, I'm sure you have a lot of stuff to share with us there. I was excited to see all the videos and tidbits that Megaware Keelguard had posted while you guys were down there. It looked like you had a lot of fun while I was back, you know, slaving away, holding down the yeah. court, Kurt. I, you know, somebody's got to take one for the team. I guess that was me. But, you know, speaking of Megaware Keelguard, of course, they have always been the presenting partners of Bass Edge since inception put on the protection the pros pick be sure to visit keelguard.com check out the latest and greatest on their entire lineup of products including the flex step the first do-it-yourself keel protector the skate guard the list goes on and on again keelguard.com yeah, Aaron, I got to say, iCast was a tremendous show. Lots going on there. I was locked down pretty hard in the Hayabusa booth, but uh, got to visit our friends Ryan and Tori and Guy and John and the rest of the crew over there at the uh, Megaware booth. And that place was hopping, my friend. Let me tell you, little parties going on over at Megaware. If there's nothing else anybody on Bass Edge Radio should know, those folks are a good time and uh, lots of fun to hang out with. So I would say... If nothing else, support the folks that are freaking fun because that's what life's all about. Life and, motto, uh, hang around people you like to be with, right, Kurt? That's exactly right. And life motto could be as well right here on Bass Edge Radio is if you want to become a better bass angler, keep listening to all this informative information we've got going on and we continue to bring it because we're going to dive right into this episode. Coming up next, the tackle tip from protecttheharps.com. This episode's protecttheharvest.com tackle tip with FLW Tour Pro, Matt Reed. Hey guys, let's just talk about some basic setup to get you started and a setup that'll cover a wide variety of, of type of presentation. First thing that you need to do is you need to get a quality baitcaster. I use the Bass Pro Shop Johnny Morse Platinum Series. It has great magnets and cast control setup where you can learn to cast them quickly. My rod of choice for the wide range would be a McCain seven foot Texas rig rod, a medium action. That way, you know, it'll throw a spinner bait, a little crankbait, you can throw some soft plastics on it. On that reel, your line is very important. Monofilament line is easier to learn to cast with. It's more supple, it doesn't kink as easy. It's probably the easiest learn to throw. Fluorocarbon has its major benefits as far as, you know, less visibility, in the water, less stretch, and that type of thing. So I would suggest starting out with the monofilament. The Brass Pro Shop XL monofilament has 
good stuff and about 15 pound test. When you're filling that reel, fill it all the way to the top, top of the spool. If you fill it halfway, you won't be able to throw it anywhere. So fill it on up close to the top, get your brake set just right, practice casting that thing to get you some distance. I would tie on like a Matt Reed Square Boss 1.5 square bill. It's fairly heavy to learn to cast. That lure, you can throw it up in the shallow water, bring it back with a steady retrieve. A fish bites it, he pretty much hooks himself. You know, no real hook set involved. Same with a spinnerbait. You know, use a three-eighths or a half-ounce spinnerbait so you can throw it out there. Getting distance is a huge key when you're learning to fish. So get that reel filled to the proper capacity. Get it on a rod that has a good fast tip where you can throw it. Get a bait that's got some weight. That'll help you. Throw it out there. Get this game started and catch you a big old bass. Matt, that is an awesome tip. Thank you very much. This tip brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Aaron, it is time to talk about some fishing. What's been going on for us? What have we been hearing? And this is the time we'd like to do that. I've been hearing about a good story from Mr. Jay McNamara, Bass Edge longtime friend. Um, I know that you got the deets on it. So tell me about how Mr. McNamara took advantage and threw down some club W's. Yeah, so I mean, he's been on a just a, a terror lately, and and the most recent one was I, I really thought was a neat story, and and it's referencing because Jay is the author of the Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, you know, talking about the mental game. We've mentioned it time and time again, but the most recent tournament that uh, he was on up in Minnesota, a uh, club tournament, he actually won it, which you know, great for him. But it's really the victory wasn't about winning the tournament. It's that he won the tournament in spite of what happened. You know, losing graphs, no way to get those back, was on a lake that uh, did not have familiarity with. So as you can imagine, you're going out here blind. If that's ever happened to anybody out there, you can share his pain, let alone being in a tournament, you know? That's like the immediate gut punch. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, and then just what it does, you know, I'm a very systematic, I I like to work the systems. And if a system is broke or something like that, it can just derail you mentally. And I, I just, 
find a, a lot of, um, I guess, solace in the fact that, you know, so many people that we have on here, they do it because they've had success with it. And Jay is certainly one of his own disciples, which I think is why he wrote the book, because we all deal with that. So, you know, that's my two cents, Kurt. And I, and I know you've had similar experiences probably time and time again, as many days as what you spend on the water. There's no question. I can take something back as quickly as just my last event on Lake Champlain. I was fishing for smallies, sight fishing primarily, but it's taking a situation and putting it in the best scenario. And what, what I did there is one day in practice, it was really windy or pretty windy. I wouldn't say really windy, but you couldn't really sight fish. And some of the areas had some color because the lake had been high for much of the spring. And it was starting to get back into some general stable more normal levels and I had caught a nice three and a half pounder in practice just kind of blind cast in a little area that looked like it would have the right bottom kind of rubbly not necessarily any steep but they those smallmouth really like that kind of flattish rubbly contour not really sure. big chunk rock but just kind of flat good spawning grounds you know typical good smallmouth spawning grounds and I went caught a good sight fish right out of the gate just kind of got my day started and started working down this area of the lake and I got to that place where I caught a three and a half pounder in practice you know kind of off couldn't really see it you know so I'm cruising up there and it's a little bit more clear now and it's a little bit less windy so I'm looking and I catch one but it's like a two and three quarter which is an okay fish but not really what you're looking for on Champlain you know you need that three three and a half pound average to really make a dent so I swing back around and I think I'm just going to cast blind cast and so I'm taking advantage of a situation that I had in practice where it was a little windy kind of a change of condition but still trying to target those fish Aaron would you know it I caught three of my biggest fish on that little flat wow. just because I slowed down, kind of took my time, took advantage of something that I saw in practice where I caught one bass and turned it into, I mean, dude, I caught my biggest fish that day, fan casting that little flat, just kind of taking advantage of a little clue of what happened in practice. And again, it comes down to that kind of thinking about what's going on, not just fishing randomly. I don't mean just randomly down the bay. I just mean randomly trying to fish a pattern, but really thinking about what happened, what was the situation in practice, then turning that into a situation in the tournament and being able to really capitalize on one bite in practice and turn it into what happened that day was a monster sack a 19.5 bag of smallies top 10 in the FLW tour on day one so uh, you know and I think that the mantra here always Kurt but I, I don't think we can get away from it is how the mental piece you know plays into it and for those that aren't aware make sure if you haven't gotten your hands on one of the psychology of exceptional fishing books be sure to do that you can certainly go to bassedge.com and and they're available there but you know kurt speaking of a kind of another mental transition is you're getting ready for something pretty big yeah man after the champlain good event had a good event at chickamauga whereas early in the year i started off good then i had a couple of downers kind of in the middle of the season bounced back made the FLW Cup on Lake Hamilton, taking place August 9th through the 11th. Super stoked, buddy. I'm looking forward to uh, having a fun event, a good event, and happy to make the championship. 
I've been at this several years, and it's not easy to make these championships. And when you make one, you want to take advantage of it. At the same time, you want to feel that mental confidence. You know, it's not that you have an ego or have any of that, but just feeling like you're going to go out there and you're going to perform well. You're going to make the adjustments, trust the process of what's laid in front of you, and make good decisions to have good performance. There's empirical data that backs up. Once you make one, it's probably not going to be your last. You know, it's like when Bannister, I'll be, you know, very facetious here, but it's like when Bannister ran a yes. four-minute mile or whatever. Then that paved the way. So I think going back to kind of your own psyche with us as anglers, once we catch right our personal best biggest fish or once we experience a successful day, maybe using a jig or a spinnerbait, then things start to roll. Don't know how to explain it. Uh, I'm not even sure Dr. J knows how to explain right, it, but right, I'm, right. I know that to be the case. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And, and we've got a featured angler who fished 10 years, by the way, on the FLW Tour before he won his first Angler of the Year championship. Now, David has won four Angler of the Year championships in the last 11 years. So there goes back to your previous statement about how once you start the snowball, it just continues to grow, hopefully all in a positive direction. We're going to talk with David Dudley about a lot of positive things going on with him. Stay tuned. Bass Edge Radio will be right back with our featured angler, David Dudley, in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. I'm FLW Tour Pro Luke Duncan. I'm professional angler Keith Pochet. This is 2019 Bassmaster Classic Qualifier Jared Littner. This is BASS Elite Series angler Seth Fighter. This is Facts and Fishing host Dave Mercer, and you're listening to Bass Edge Radio. Importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. In this episode, we have the pleasure to chat with 2019 FLW Tour Angler of the Year champion and now four-time FLW Tour Angler of the Year winner, the only four-time AOI winner in FLW Tour history, David Dudley is with us. Thanks for being on the show, David. It's a pleasure. I enjoy listening to you guys' show, so it's a treat to actually be on the show. Yeah. Well, that's a great compliment, David, but I've got to say four-time Angler of the Year champion. When you won your first in 2008, did you envision a fourth? You know, I'm a guy who lives by a motto, never be satisfied. And, you know, we all as anglers, I mean, to say that I didn't envision four or one or two, we all have them dreams and we set our goals. So, yeah, have I ever envisioned me winning Angler of the Year? You know, of course, I would have to say, yeah, you know, I've envisioned myself winning the classic as a kid and winning, you know, all kinds of things. So, yeah, the goals have always been set high for me. I love the statement, never be satisfied. And to have four of them is, is just an honor. 
Yeah, man, it's an amazing deal. Just so everybody kind of gets a grip of some of your history with FLW in particular, you started fishing the tour in 1997. It was 10 years in the making for your first Angler of the Year trophy. Although you had some big wins prior to that, you know, as weekend anglers, tour anglers, Costas, Opens, whoever it is that's fishing, they want the title AOI. In your opinion, what attributes to make an AOI champion? Well, number one, AOI is just proving to not only yourself, but to the league that you're fishing in that no matter what technique and what time of year it is, you've got to be consistent and you've got to be a well-rounded angler. To be a dominated flipper or a dominated whatever technique it is, that can only carry you but so far. And I think among anglers, most anglers, when you talk about wins versus AOI, most fishermen will agree that the AOI is the most coveted title because that's a title that just says, hey, over the course of this many days, I caught on average the most fish of anybody out here. And it's the goal, I think, of most anglers out there. They want this title more than they want anything. Because a lot of times I I look at wins like the one-hit wonders. You know, like when you look at radio, you know, you call them the one-hit wonder. Sometimes people will never come away with another win. Wins are easier to come by than angler of the year because you could find a lot of fish and win a tournament and never win another tournament in your life it's like writing a script song it goes to number one on the charts and you never hear from that band again and it's the same way in fishing but you know there's of course many anglers out there that got multiple wins it's kind of the same thing but in fishing we know one fish can make a difference but think about this most of the top 10 is separated by just a one fish swing so which means I finished fifth place and I was one pound behind the winner. Well, he caught a five pounder. I caught a four pounder. Well, that's just luck. I was on enough winning fish to win, but luck went his way and I lost out on a win because he got lucky and caught a five pounder. And I am going to say lucky when I talk about big fish swings. Fishing is not luck, and I think we all can agree to that. Fishing is not luck, but there is a part of fishing that is luck, and that is the size of the fish. So, for example, say if I threw by a stump, I set the hook, I caught a four-pounder. You threw by a stump, you set the hook, you caught a six-pounder. Well, was that because you were more skilled? Was that because you were swinging for the fence? Was that? No. You just got lucky and caught a six-pounder. So, when it comes to wins... Wins are dictated by a lot of the times. And when I say, when I talk, I I typically speak majority, not minority. The majority of the time, it's swung by, hey, he he caught an eight pounder. It's not that he was a better angler than me that week. You know, I finished third, he finished first. It's not that he was the best angler that week. It was he got lucky and caught an eight pounder, and I only caught a six pounder that week. But you create that luck. You create your chances of that eight pounder. And this is what I want to stress. Right. For example, if I go out and I somehow I, I talk 20 bass into biting that day during tournament day. Well, odds are out of those 20, I'm going to have five, three pounders to come in with 15 pounds. Sure. But Johnny figured out how to get. 32 bite odds are he got more bites eventually he's going to catch that four pounder and a four and a half and he had 17 and a half pounds it's just playing the odds of bites 
And you may beat me one day, and, you know, that's why I love four-day events because the cream of the crop will always rise to the top. Sure. You can get a one-hit wonder in one day and have a big bag, and we've all done it. I'll give you an example is at Lake Chickamauga. Now, granted, the first two days I did really well. I felt good. Well, I actually struggled a little bit on day three. I just kind of messed up a little bit. But that morning, I caught an eight-pounder. Right. Well, <laughs> catch an eight pounder. You know, I, I think I come in. Yeah, I caught eight. So I came in with 17 pounds, but that was anchored by an eight pounder. You sure. know, all good stuff. I got to say real quick, Aaron, it's interesting. You know, you hear a lot of guys that win. They talk about, well, it was just my time. And that's a little bit what David is referring to there. You know, you catch the six instead of a four or an eight instead of a five. And it's not maybe that you're on a better quality bite. It's you were maybe on the same quality bite as the other top five guys in the tournament, but you just happen to get a few bigger fish along the way. Maybe one or two to bring you above. But really what the deal is in this AOI situation is if you lose some key fish throughout the year, you're on enough key fish throughout the year to overcome some deficiencies that may have happened throughout the year. And that's what really sets apart the uh, angler of the year winner from a tournament winner and why the prestige, as David talks about, is so important and why it really shows the value, credibility, and skill level of AOI winners. Much respect. Yeah, no doubt. And David, I know you've got the FLW Cup coming up, and before we dive off into that, I do want to do a throwback. I'm not even sure that you remember it. You probably will once I tell you what it is, but back, uh, we were at a Wachita at a Forest Wood Cup and pulled up next to each other at the gas station, and uh, I believe that day you accidentally filled your boat full of diesel. I probably did, knowing me. I don't remember it right now, but that sounds like something I would do. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. I How do you deal was, with that situation? I, I think, you just you park the boat and yeah. and uh, I specifically remember you got about five or six gallons in there before you realized it, and fortunately you didn't fill the whole thing up. But I think you went to the boat yard and you had them pump it out. So I saw you the next morning and all was good. But yeah. you, were, you were a little frustrated there yeah. for a while. So, but anyway, back to the uh, upcoming FLW Cup that'll happen just right around the corner, August 9th through the 11th. You and Carter are going to be there doing battle with the bass as well on a uh, probably stingy fish in the middle of August. You now have another opportunity to be one of on top, I guess you would say, in the FLW record books as potentially the only two-time champion. What is your preparation and focus going into the world championship event? Oh, gosh. I'm preparing my mind for just a tough battle. I think my biggest preparation is getting my attitude right. You know, like, I don't know why FLW chooses to take us to these southern fisheries or just hot there's so many northern lakes we could go to to have fun at that it just blows my mind. But I think the biggest preparation for me is just almost preparing my mind that if I even get two or three bites in a day, I'm going to be happy. I don't know. I think it's more of a mind preparation and a physical preparation of staying outside a little bit more instead of sitting in the AC, which will help with your mind also preparing yourself for hot weather so i mean here i am getting ready to go fishing today and i've been fishing the last three days in hot weather and i don't even have to and the fishing is ridiculously 
stingy right now and I'm still out there plugging away at it just trying to prepare myself mentally for it that's awesome yeah I'm gonna be uh I'll be out here at Lake Amistad uh I just got home a few days ago and getting ready to prepare to go and I'm gonna spend a couple days out here on Amistad before heading out on uh August 2nd so uh, it should be an interesting event no doubt that the uh, FLW Tour Championship is typically a grinder event and it seems this year is not going to be any different but the fun thing about that is you really can see the mental like you talk about the mental determination of anglers it just shows if you want to go out and catch bass there's bass out there to be caught might take a little bit more effort than it would in the spring or the fall but uh still some fish to be caught in the summertime so it should be an exciting event real quickly dudley before we go to break this year's flw tour one of the most diverse in terms of types of fisheries that maybe they've ever put out what techniques did you lean on in 2019 to bring home that AOI championship? You know how sometimes you get in a groove, right? You know, whether it's a crankbait or vibrating jig or, or you know, whatever it is, you kind of run some momentum, not only mentally with good finishes, but with techniques at times. Did you feel like there was a momentum of a technique that really helped you cinch the deal this year? Man, that's a good question. Let's see. To San Rayburn, I threw a swim bait. And a drop shot was the majority of my fish. Then we went to uh, Toho. I caught them flipping there. There you go. Then we went to, where do we go next? That lake in Tennessee, or what was that, Lake Cherokee? Yeah. Cherokee Cherokee. was swim bait and wacky worm, probably half and half. Then we went to... How about Grand? Uh, we were at Grand before Cherokee. Oh, that's right. Grand was a spinnerbait. Caught them all on a spinnerbait. Then we went to Chigamagua, and majority was on a wacky worm there. Then we went to Champlain, where the majority of those were on a Ned head. And, well, I was sight fishing. And then flipping them, sight fishing... I feel like I'm missing one. Did I miss a tournament somewhere? I don't know. You went through Uh, them so quick. I don't, (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, listening to myself talk, there really, it was literally something different every time. Wow. If I think about it, it was pretty much. Lake Seminole. Lake Seminole was the only one we didn't discuss. How did that one go? Oh, that's right. Seminole. Well, heck, I didn't catch them there. So I don't, I don't even know. I was scrapping around. I think I caught some on a wacky worm, some flipping the big mat, and actually some on the swim jig. So to answer your question, there really wasn't one technique that I leaned on this year. I, I kind of did the whole buffet, really. Well, I tell you what, we're going to yeah. take a quick break. You mentioned wacky rigging three times. I think there's plenty of guys on the FLW tour that look at David Dudley and think if there's a guy that's going to catch him on a wacky rig in any tournament, this is probably the guy that's going to do it. You get a spinning rod in your hand a lot on your YouTube channel. We're going to talk about that some more, too. Y'all hang right here. We're going to power pole down, take a short break. Bass Edge will return in just a minute. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio presented in part by Lowrance Electronics returns with FLW Tour angler David Dudley in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products 
For oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements, be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works. David, before the break, we went on a flash fishing spree over the FLW Tour and uh, kind of some of the techniques you used. A lot of people know that you love to fish a wacky rig. I want to really kind of break this down, you know, from pre-spawn to spawn, post-spawn, summertime, fall fishing. Maybe if there's any time lease, it's probably the fall and winter. You know, the wacky rig might be less used, but you use it very, very effectively in a lot of circumstances and a lot of water column depths, quite frankly. You know, whether it's a foot and a half, six inches, 15, 25 feet. I've seen David Dudley throw the wacky rig first. Tell me why this technique is so effective for you. Oh, man. It is my favorite technique. I don't know why it's so effective for me other than the fact that it's what I like to throw. But, you know, there is a time and a place for it, no doubt. Like, we kind of highlighted this year's tour, and it really didn't account for much of my fish catches this year, even though it's my drug is what I like to say. I mean, it, it absolutely <laughs> is my drug. It has a time and place for it, no doubt, but you got to recognize when that time and place is there. And when I recognize it and I can put it in my hand, my confidence is going out of the roof with it. But it's one of those techniques where, you know, a lot of people are trying to figure out what I'm doing with it. And I'm not doing anything different than what you can see me on my YouTube channel doing with it is just casting it and fishing a wacky worm. But I really can't explain why I catch more on it than, say, the average person, because all I'm doing is throwing it and jiggling it like everybody else but i must be doing something right but i i couldn't tell you what that was so when you describe or when you mentioned you got to know when that right time and place is david can you just elaborate on that like what do you see or notice that says aha this is the time to go to it i think the best time is right after the spawn like post-spawn, you could give me the month of May any day of the year. And when I say May, it could be something different depending on if you're in Florida or whatever. But for the most mid-region of the United States, give me the month of May when the fry starts hatching out. And that is my favorite month, you know, to throw a wacky worm. And again, I think I get stubborn at times. You'll see me still catching them on it, say it, it was June or something. And that's not really the best option for it, you know, or you may see me throw it out over, you know, Cody Myers, the one that got me doing it, throwing that stinking wacky worm out in 15, 20 foot of water. If I was a cigarette smoker, I would be like <laughs> the king, like the real king of the wacky worm because Cody's got a lot more patience than I do, but he'll throw that thing. He got me to throw on it, so I've caught some, you know, out over deep water with the wacky worm uh, here recently this past year, just being patient with it. You know, we all know it. It's just a subtle technique, and, you know, I think especially on high-pressured lakes that they've done been caught by the rattle trap and caught four times on a chatterbait, and then they got caught by a jerkbait six times before they started spawning. So they got like nine puncture holes in them before they even hit springtime, and then I think the subtlety of that wacky worm is what entices a lot of them. That's great stuff. I love the fact that, you know, these fish are caught so many times. Then you can, you know, stick a subtle technique like the wacky worm 
arm and continue to get him to react, it seems. You know, there's so many choices with rod, reel, terminal tackle, those kinds of things. How do you break down your wacky rig fishing? Do you weight your bait a lot? Do you just fish it weightless? How do you decide what depth is when you want to add some weight or not add some weight? Can you kind of just break some of those things down for us quickly? Yeah, you know, I kind of take wherever I think the fish are. For example, if I think they're in five foot of water, you know, most of the fish, of course, I'm going to be adding weights. And then as you get up towards coming to May, when those fry get up close to the surface, then, of course, I'm no weight. You know, I don't want any weight on my wacky rig. But, you know, when you're talking wacky, you got to remember nowadays you got vertical and horizontal wacky rigging. And they can say Nico rig all they want, but it's a wacky rig. That's all it is. You got one that's horizontal and one that's vertical. And it's still a wacky rig, in my opinion. And that Nico rig has been picking up more and more steam with me as far as, you know, fishing it effectively, quote unquote, a wacky rig effectively in different depths of water. I mean, look at Brent Ayler. Brent Ayler, Justin Lucas. Justin took a a Nico rig with that stick fluke. You take that out of his hand. Like, he took AOI with one bait and one thing only the whole year. (laughs) You know, and you look at Brent Ayler and, you know, that Nico rig is, to me, is becoming more powerful than, uh, say, a wacky rig. But it's still the same thing. You know, it's just with a different title. So how about how about your terminal tackle? Are you using the wacky tool, the black O-ring? Do you like that setup? Do you like to just naturally hook it in the bait? And what kind of hooks do you like? Yeah, to use? I don't I don't use any uh, O-rings and that surgical stuff that Shin Fukai come up with. And okay. no, I, I don't even know why he uses that because he gets all his Cinco's for free. So it's <laughs> you know it's not like I don't know why he's trying to be conservative about. Oh man, I lost the Senko. Well, for us to have to go buy Gary's, dude, that's a dollar. I mean, I've I've got to joking with people this year. I'd catch one on a wacky worm and right before I slung him in the boat or while I was slinging the boat, shake its head and there goes your Senko. You're like, (laughs) I would underneath my breath, I go, one dollar. (laughs) <laughs> and then I catch another one, two dollar, three dollar. You know, every one you're catching. I mean, seriously, that fish catch cost you one dollar every right, time right, you right. set the hook. It's one dollar. But I it, think it, a but lot it, of people no, would pay fifty bucks to catch fifty fish. <laughs> Exactly. And people don't understand, like, when you go down to Florida or a place that you can get a lot of bites at, you're going to blow through, let's say, four or five bags of plat. You're going through 35 to $50 a day in right. plastics alone. Like, it's not like you're throwing a square bill, caught 30, and you just replace the hooks and keep trucking it. No, plastics are just constantly eating a hole in your pocket, man. This brings me to another quick question. I got to ask this question. So you've talked about the Yamamoto Senko. When you're wacky rigging, is there any supplement to the Yamamoto Senko? What do you meaning, mean? like Being like other, other baits that work as effectively. You know, that every time, you know, instead of oh, there goes a dollar, there goes 50 cents, right? I mean, you know, is there another bait that's maybe a little less expensive that's still effectively uh, doing what you're doing to catch those wacky rig fish? Actually, the Berkeley one that they come out with, the Berkeley 
Um, the general? Yeah, well, it's the one that's got the 40. It's the newer one they got. I think it's called the general. That one I started testing. Uh-huh. Uh, I got some from somebody, and I started testing it. And, dude, it's legit, man. Like, as far as the fall is concerned, I want to say it's a faster falling bait than Gary. There's a lot of different companies out there, and I'm not going to name throw companies out there, but Gary's is one of the best. I throw, you know, I throw other ones too, and just they all have their purpose. If you're wanting the very slowest fall ever, then throw a Yum or a Gambler. (laughs) If you want it to fall like two inches per minute, then throw a Yum or a uh, Gambler's Fat 8. Float and fly, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Appreciate you breaking that down, David. You know, one of the things that you had mentioned uh, with some of your fellow anglers, and I know speaking of kind of along those lines, you were really close to uh, fellow Virginian Jacob Prosnick when he was also doing and fishing the FLW Tour. Jacob chose, you know, to fish the Elite Series and now participates in the uh, Bass Pro Tour. Do you still keep in touch and kind of what is your take on the movement of anglers within the industry with the different organizations now? Well, I, I think they entered a realm that was unknown. Right. So they were projected a outcome and they based their decision on what was to be projected. And they entered a lot of unknowns. And just like with BPT now, they're figuring out a thing, a lot of things. It's it's like a marriage. You know, you can know somebody, but when you finally get married and move in with them, you're going to go through a learning curve with your partner. And I think that's what's happened. I think we all can agree the honeymoon is over with the BPT. You know, we all were curious. We're all like, you know, you heard all these rumors and It's been a lot of shifting, but I think they're getting settled in their normal routine or what they can expect. And some people may continue to watch it and some people are breaking up, you know, like like a day. You know, I dated this girl for a while and I I don't care to keep in touch with her no more. Or you dated the girl and some of us, you know, you might still watch it. And And it's like I said, this year has been a honeymoon stage so far. And I think we're on the backside of it. And, you know, it's going to plateau somewhere where it plateaus at. We don't know because we're still in the unknown. Right. I see a lot of guys over there. You look at Kevin Van Dam. You know, one of the best to ever put a rod in his hand. You know, he's not making the rig. I'm looking over there and I'm seeing a lot of guys who are very good fishermen not even making the red crest. One thing I do love about it is that, you know, I'm not going to name drop, but there's always rumors of anytime somebody comes out blazing and I can relate to it because, you know, I I remember those rumors flying around me is that, you know, they claim to be one of the purest forms of fishing, right? Like no talk, no, like you can't even breathe, like you can't even turn the TV (laughs) on and you're going to get in trouble, you know, like whatever. So you've got to walk the thin line of which we all walk a thin line but i think over there i would be scared to walk in a bathroom and see a news article up above the urinal and feel like i got information information, that i shouldn't have if i saw (laughs) right but anyways i just think it's cool i think one of the things that exposes is who over the years has been leaning on information and who over the years are the purest fishermen you understand what i'm saying yeah. So I think it's awesome to see certain anglers who have been dominating the last few years 
enter the most purest form of whatever, no information type of thing. And yet they still dominate and kick butt. And it's like, I want to look at all the people that talked about them in the past and go, what you got to say now? You know, (laughs) you can see the people who, who aren't doing well. And now they're the ones running their mouth. And now you're like, okay, now that it's pure, and you're not doing well, what you got to say now? You know? <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's an interesting concept. It's it's fun to watch. I agree with you that the honeymoon is coming to an end, and really, you know, feet are going to dig in here over the next uh, 18 to 24 months and kind of really get a better idea of where the platform is is going to land and how that's going to you know affect the landscape of all of these organizations now. So uh, we're going to continue to watch, continue to fish. The bottom line in our job, David, I think is if we catch them, we make some money. If we don't, then we got to figure out how to catch them better to make more money. <laughs> so <laughs> I heard this up there at ICAST by Brad Knight. So I'm quoting Brad Knight. It was the funniest thing I ever heard. <laughs> he goes, Dudley, he goes, I'm going to put an end to all this talk. I said, all right, put an end to it. He goes, when you went to go cash your check at uh, the bank, he goes, what did they say? And I'm thinking to myself, where is Brad going with this? I'm like, well, they didn't really say nothing, Brad. Exactly. He goes, they didn't ask you if you got that check from BPT. Bassmasters or FLW. It was just pure money. He That's goes, right. so the point is, it doesn't make a difference where you making your living at as long as you putting cash in the bank. And that's the bottom line. I said, well, darn, if he ain't halfway right on that, <laughs> they don't ask you where you get your money from. It's just, I choose to earn my living through this particular tour or that particular tour. And they don't care as long as you're putting money in the bank. I said, all right, well, you got a point. <laughs> that is a good point. That's a good point. All right. Well, enough of that chatter. We're going to move into our last segment of the show. One of our last segments. This is the listener question segment brought to us by Nitro Performance Bass Boat. David, we got a question from Doug Scroggins. Kind of an interesting question. I actually chose this because I thought you would be able to elaborate. You're you're good at elaborating on things that sometimes other people wouldn't be sure how to answer a question, but this is one I think you're going to do well with. I'm new to river fishing and have never locked through. How does one go about it? And what is one thing you wish you knew before the first time you ever locked through? Well, if I had to say one thing to know before you go through the lock is make sure you know where that pull rope is to acknowledge that you're down there below the lock. You (laughs) might end up getting to the lock and not knowing, but it's kind of elementary once you pull the lock on what is to proceed after that because they got stoplights there that literally red or green that tell you when to go and you know you'll see the gates open it if you can't figure out the process after you pull the rope you're in bad trouble and you shouldn't be locking anyways but it's pretty self-explanatory so I would tell him just be confident, pull the rope, and just kind of you follow the lead is what you see when the gates go open and it's green light, stroll on in, and the uh, operator will assist you on what to do and where to tie off. And it's pretty simple. Just don't overthink it is what I could tell. And just know that when you get there, be courteous to them in their job and pull the rope and let it go from there. And what about, David, uh, as far as when you get into the lock, you know, if the water's coming up or going down, uh, any advice on how to keep your nice, shiny bass boat from getting banged up on the sides or that process? Yeah, just don't be lazy in that lock. 
you know, when that water gets to coming in and swirling around, either you can choose to sit down and let it mess up your boat or you work to keep your boat away from scraping the walls or whatever it may be. You got a lot of money invested in it and you can't ever predict what kind of current is coming in there and how fast the current's coming in there. So they may open the lock up a little bit faster than normal to push it through quicker. When they do that, typically, you know, your boat is going to get pushed against the wall. If they do it slowly, it's a slow rise and you can manage the rise with your boat and not damaging it. So that's a good point is to just don't be lazy when you get in there. You may have to stand up and push it off for that three foot rise or whatever it may be, but it's best to be out of your seat and protecting your boat. Are you usually trying to be against the wall or tied up to another boat that's on the wall? <laughs> I don't want to be against that wall. I want to be somewhere in the middle. And But you're also being respectful to their boats also. Sure, you know, sure. you need to be working just as hard that your boats aren't per se banging against each other and out of respect for other people's boats the same as you would against the wall. That's great advice. So, Doug, make sure you're very attentive. Um, if you can stay off the wall, Dudley suggests stay off the wall. <laughs> and if you're on the wall, hustle. Because uh, sometimes, depending on the lock situation, you can get into a little pickle there and uh, scrape some things up. So be careful with locking through. Those are great tips, though, David. Yeah, and Doug, speaking of being attentive, we need to hold your attention for a little longer and let us know that you heard your question answered by the 2019 FLW Angler of the Year, David Dudley. And certainly you can do that by clicking on the Claim Your Prize tab via BassEdge.com. Send us your information or let us know on any of our social media outlets and we will get the Bass Edge gift sent directly to your doorstep. That's right. Bass Edge Nation, keep firing those questions. We'd love to hear from you. Use the same techniques that Aaron just discussed, our social media. You can also shoot us an email, support at BassEdge.com. So we'll look forward to hearing from everybody. Well, David, thanks for taking time to visit uh, on the show again. It's been too long. We look forward to certainly watching uh, the FLW Cup August 9th through 11th. want to wish you best of luck there. But uh, kind of in closing thoughts, I also want to make sure and point out, we talked a little bit about your YouTube channel. I mean, that thing has exploded here recently. And the content, you know, we're all about giving Bass Edge Nation the next edge up. And I love how you do your practices. There's so much information on that. As we close down, can you kind of tell listeners how that they can subscribe to that. Yeah, if you go to YouTube, just type in David Dudley Outdoors is the name of the channel. And it's been a fun journey for sure. I've grown quite a bit in the first 10 months. And, you know, I do everything from fishing hacks to tournament vlogs where I actually break down practice, tournament days. I even do post-tournament days where I break down what I thought I did right or wrong. I do a variety of fishing stuff that, you know, I think is interesting to me and evidently it's interesting to everybody else as quick as I'm growing. So check me out, David Dudley Outdoors, and come along the journey. Yeah, one of the favorite David talked about is fishing hacks. One of the cool things I think that David does is he gets in a boat with another angler or stand on the side of the boat and he asks him to pull lures out of his boat. And it's interesting to watch these other pros, you know, scramble through their stuff and, and try and find things. And, and David's, I mean, you're pretty demanding on the time. I, I really, I think it's, what is it, five seconds? 15 well, well, seconds? It, it's pros, it? Yeah, it's pros finding five lures. It's really a fun video because whoever wins it, they get to donate it to a charity of their choice. Right. Uh, you get to hear them 
talk about a story where they lost a big fish. So basically, I ask them on a timeline, they have to find five lures. So for example, I might say half ounce black and blue jig, and they got to scramble and find it. And then when they find it, I go a green pumpkin stick bait, and then they got to find it. And then I'll go a white spinner bait. So I start calling out these particular items that that should be (laughs) stock in their boat, you know, standard. And it's always fun. There's penalties. There's there's all kinds of things. I think Cody Myers got the record for his – he's got the most penalty. He, he got like a 20-second penalty because I asked for a white spinnerbait, and he threw out a chartreuse and white spinnerbait, and he, he got penalized. <laughs> that is – I got to say, man, it's, uh, it's funny to see their competitive fire come out in that process because, I mean, they're digging through, they're going crazy, and they're laughing and giggling, but at the same time, man, they're trying to beat that clock. It ain't no joke. Joke, is it? <laughs> hey, the fun. I think the funniest thing about those videos is I do a bonus round. And during the bonus round is where they can gain back time. So I get to ask for a random item. And typically, I always go like a Phillips head screwdriver, which (laughs) to me, you you know, like you should have a tool set in your boat. So I'll ask, you know, like, give me a adjustable wrench or something, you know. And I am shocked. I am like shocked of how many anglers don't have items like I've been asking for in, in the boat. And it could have been like a, a tow rope. And uh, Phillips said, I can't believe how many people don't even have Phillips head screwdrivers in their boat. I was like, oh, my gosh, you got to be kidding me. So, yeah, that's the most shocking thing to me. Yeah, it, it's a great adventure. Make sure you subscribe. David Dudley Outdoors on YouTube. A lot of fun. He's got, you know what, I think you're a little over 14,000 subscribers right now. And uh, you've grown that, like you say, in, in 10 or 11 months. I mean, it's it's uh, it's pretty awesome to watch. So uh, congratulations on your success there. And uh, we certainly want to give a shout out to make sure Bass Edge Nation hears about it, knows it's available to watch. It's a lot of fun. David, I'm going to send you off with our final segment four last questions for you you might think about adding this to your youtube channel i've been thinking about throwing it on mine but uh here we go what was your first purchase with your aoy winnings oh lordy i haven't even bought it i pretty much paid off things but purchasing (laughs) i don't know uh purchasing probably a big sushi dinner treating myself i rung the bill up pretty heavy on that celebration dinner that works good okay who is your favorite fishing partner favorite fishing partner would have to probably be you you probably don't know him or would be the quarter boy he, he he shows up on my YouTube channel quite a bit. He's a visitor on the channel. He I enjoy fishing with him because we laugh. But if I had to choose who I would want to fish with right. in this world, it would be Rick Clun. There you go. That's pretty cool. I like that answer. What is your most enjoyable activity when you're home away from the water? Coon hunting. That is my, yep, that is my deep breath. When the season's in, I hunt three or four nights a week, every week. Yeah. And wow. That's kind of my deep breath. It's just basically asking kids or adults and saying, hey, guys, y'all want to go hike a little bit in the woods tonight? And it's just fellowshipping with other guys. And I don't know. It's my deep breath, man. I love coon hunting, and that's my deep breath. I like it. That's not an answer we hear every day. And what is the last picture you took with your phone? Oh, seriously? I took it this morning. I put it on selfie mode and took a picture of the back of my neck 
because <laughs> my neck feels like it's I've been fishing in this hundred degree and my neck is torched. Like <laughs> I could evidently I didn't put enough uh sunscreen, sunscreen on and the back of my neck is torched. So I took a selfie picture of the back of my neck looking how bad it looked. Like, so if, if you're walking behind a guy with a tournament jersey on, and he looks like he's 80, it could be David Dudley in his in his. hundred percent <laughs> agree. Yeah, my neck looked like I was decaying, man. It was it's bad. That is awesome, David. Man, I appreciate you being on the show. We're gonna see you at the Cup here very shortly. Bass Edge Nation, stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Kurt, a little long on our uh, content today, but well worth it. David Dudley, you got to give the guy the mic anytime you can put four Angler of the Years together in 10 years. Yeah, that's an amazing accomplishment. David Dudley, ruler currently of the FLW Tour. You know, David always has something interesting to say, interesting viewpoints about many different topics, whether it's wacky rig fishing or how to become a champion. David's interesting and certainly love the YouTube content. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe to my YouTube uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm actually not kidding. Please subscribe to my YouTube, but David Dudley's YouTube, David Dudley Outdoors. It's an awesome YouTube channel. Breaks down all the uh, tournament history as far as what happened in his 2019 season. So you can go back and check it all out. But um, self-promoting my own YouTube channel, you can check out many of my days as well, Aaron. I know that you've been subscribing to it, and I know you love my content. Right. Oh, I love it. I actually, uh, you know, you had mentioned earlier about you spinning around and uh, that's where your biggest fish came from. I enjoyed seeing that clip that you actually put together. I think that was actually on YouTube, but I saw it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, actually it was. Yeah. In segment B, we talked about the Lake Champlain deal and you can see me get all jacked up when I catch that big smallmouth on day one of the uh, FLW Tour Champlain event. And I'll be breaking down, just so everybody knows, I will be breaking down my entire FLW cup experience we're going to be doing uh, a little practice youtube so check out that doing lots of photos and stuff on social media then we'll have the entire daily events 
happening on my YouTube channel as well. So FLW Cup, August 9 through 11, Lake Hamilton, Arkansas. Be there or be square. Well, speaking of being jacked up, you better be jacking that trophy up above your head so that we can all head down and watch you earn the trophy spot of a party. That's right. Party that's right. <laughs> I plan on it. I plan on it. So unfortunately, Kurt, we don't have any more time. We're actually already on borrowed time. And I know all of Bass Edge Nation has a lot of choices of where they can spend their time. And certainly you and I appreciate them spending it with us. Be sure stay on all things Bass Edge via our social media. Certainly a lot of great stuff out on the website, BassEdge.com from articles to uh, videos, all kinds of good stuff there. In the meantime, we're going to shut this down, get ready for the August 15th episode which will be happening number 310 in a couple weeks look forward to it we will talk to everyone later for kurt dove i am aaron martin so long everybody the edge is presented by megaware keel guard for more information on bass edge or to shop at the bass edge online store visit bassedge.com and be sure to join kurt dove and aaron martin right here on another episode of the edge brought to you in part by nitro boats lucas oil protecttheharvest.com mercury marine lawrence electronics power pole and rapaholic.com